name is not Dr. Google. I'm Dr. V. I want you to be healthy and happy, so we're going to talk about all the things I can't fit into a 15-minute appointment. Let's get started. Step into my office. Hey, and welcome back to Office Visits with Dr. V. I am your host, Dr. V. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following and just being here and present and um, willing to receive what we're putting out. I want you to stay connected with me. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V. I am also, I have a website and it's officevisitswithdrv.com. Officevisitswithdrv.com. You can keep up with me that way. And we will be putting out a weekly podcast. So if you will, go ahead and subscribe so that you'll be notified and you can get that episode as soon as it's available. If you will, please, too, just leave us a favorable rating if you've enjoyed what you've heard. Or we also would love to uh, hear your comment. And you can just put that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. So let's get into the episode. I, I have called myself the Harriet Tubman of healthcare <laughs> because I have gotten free in some areas and I'm trying to come back and get other people and help them get free. And guys, I think I got another Harriet for you all today. I have another Harriet. Her name is Dr. Zoe Stalling. Dr. Zoe Stalling. And she is a board-certified family medicine physician. And she is the owner and operator, medical director. She does it all for her clinic, the MUST Clinic. That's all caps, M-U-S-T Clinic. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about that later. But let's just say hey to, to Dr. Zoe. Hi, Dr. Zoe. Hi, Dr. B. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. What do you prefer to be called? So I kind of, you know, they talk about branding, but I was always Dr. Stalling before that I was Dr. Smith. So I decided that the one thing that will be consistent is Dr. Zoe. So I go by Dr. Zoe now. Dr. Zoe, Dr. Zoe. Well, I, I just want to tell you, and she and I have had an extensive conversation <laughs> in the parking lot of our local Harris Teeter. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's a quick backstory. Um, my receptionist said there is this doctor who has this mobile clinic and she can do pap smears in the mobile clinic. And I was like, no, what? So I looked it up. I was like, okay, okay. And so I'm driving one day, going to Harris Teeter, and she's parked there in her clinic van, or you'll you'll tell me if I'm wrong on saying yep. in, in your your clinic. And I took a, like a U-turn almost like to go <laughs> meet her. And guess what, y'all? She was, she was putting groceries. She was shopping like everybody else. <laughs> and, you know, she was in her workout gear and I was, she was so down to earth and she has so much to, to share with us. So I'm so glad that you're, you're on with us today. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was a really <laughs> impressive meeting because. I had heard about you and I heard you retired. So I thought you'd be much older because the word on the street was that you retired. And I was like, was she retired? Okay. And, uh, and that's how I ended up doing so many pap smears. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Patients would come to me and say, you know, my, my, my gynecologist retired. I'm so devastated. You would really like her if you met her. Do you know her? And at that time I was just thinking, you know, and your name doesn't tell me that, you know, we're so aligned. I was just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just did not know what to expect. And when I saw you in the parking lot, I thought the universe meant for us. Yeah. Yes, we've been moving in similar circles. So it's like, finally, we got to meet. We got to connect. Absolutely. So for our listeners, please tell us who is Zoe Stallings? All right. Thank you so much again. So I am, I have to start with, you know, my humble origin. So I'm a Jamaican who moved to the U.S. And, you know, in Jamaica, their, the healthcare system is structured differently. Grew up with social medicine and then came to America and I saw all these different practices and I knew I wanted to be a physician. I just didn't know what that meant because I, I saw the hospital system and I saw the county system as a recent immigrant. That's where we got our health care. So I knew that I wanted to get into underserved care. And so I kind of aligned myself with grassroots foundations and got through medical school, 
went on to residency. So at this point, I left Chicago where I moved from Jamaica and came to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And in North Carolina, I realized that there are parts of North Carolina that had similar struggles to Jamaica, to be honest. Yeah. And there yeah. Are parts of North Carolina where everybody has a PhD. And so it was kind of like this, mm-hmm. this vast difference in um, socioeconomic status created a perfect place where you could take care really, really, and very affluent. But the thing is, people are just people. Right. So I, I started to work for a, a large health system in Greensboro and really enjoyed what I was doing. But I, I, you know, I just really wanted to just stay on the job. I didn't necessarily want to get into leadership or anything like that. And I really enjoyed just bread and butter primary care. So that's like the beginning of my career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the beginning of your career. Yes. But what you ended up creating and what where you're practicing now is a game changer. First of all, tell us, why did you call your clinic the MUST, the MUST clinic? So as you know, I started to, in my, my brick and mortar role, I, I kept on having patients who never came in. I refill their metformin and never see them again. They want the refills. I can't give it. And I'm worried. I don't, want it, I don't want you to go without, but you need to be seen. And so I started to mm-hmm. ask patients, why can't you come in? Is this something I'm doing? You have insurance. And they would say, I don't have time. I really don't have time. So I started to think about doing this two years before the pandemic. So we're talking 2018. Wow. Wow. Um, You're ahead of the curve. Yeah. 2018, I started to say, I wonder if I could, you know, maybe I could reach them maybe on the weekends, maybe at night in that role of Brick and mortar, though, there's very little space or time for extra, and, you know, I call it extracurricular mm-hmm. activities. How do I get time as a full-time physician and also, at this point, medical director? How do I get into those spaces? And where would I meet pa- patients and how would I take care of them if I don't have a clinic for them to come to? And on top of clinic, they're just not coming. In that, I think that I call it metamorphosis because it started with an idea and it grew into something. The idea expanded as I kept having chance encounters. I'm walking my dog. I see a vet on the driveway seeing the vet is seeing his or her patient on the driveway. And I thought, why can't we do that? It was was planted there. And then, of course, our lives were completely shaken by the COVID pandemic. And during that time, Everything shut down, but my practice kept going. Practice where I worked, brick and mortar. As medical director, I met with my team. I I said, listen, we may not get paid, but we need to keep patients out of the ER. That would be the best thing to do. So we made this, you know, hodgepodge of virtual with, you know, come into the parking lot, we'll see you. But in addition to everything shutting down, what that meant was I didn't have to take my kids to school. There were no movies to go to. There were no birthday parties for me to prepare for. And I had the space and time to really give thought to this acorn in my mind of meeting patients where they were. So it's really weird how the pandemic created the perfect opportunity to take a business idea into the next level. A patient of mine who's going through treatment is a business advisor. And I end up telling him my idea in a way of saying, I have this side. You have to be careful who you tell your ideas to. Some yeah. Like a bug. So I had this crazy idea. I wanted to, you know, start a mobile practice where I took care of people who never come in. Barbers, security guards, bouncers, serving people who are hostesses and servers at restaurants. And now that the pandemic is here, you know, how do I do that? And that, I will say that business advisor guide, the guidance I received was so spot on. I knew very little, very little about business or even how to structure an idea. And uh, working with that person, you know, this business advisor, Aaron Sims, he's somebody who really works with startups. So the ideas that I had were practical. So you kind of need that guidance. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Pie <laughs> passion. <laughs> you know, how do you work with passion? Passion can be volatile. How do you contain that and direct it into a, an idea? So right. it really took some guidance to, you know, kind of, I just wanted to help people. So when you, you know, it's, but how do you make money? I, don't, I just want to help people. So getting into those questions and who will your ultimate patient be and how will you get certified? All those topics that I didn't want to touch on because I just wanted to help people needed to be addressed. And then I ended up created the perfect opportunity to do so. I I just, yeah, you were were ahead of the game 
And by you preparing ahead of time, I mean, you were seamless. I mean, a lot of people were scrambling during, I mean, a lot of medical practices started to scramble because they didn't have any form of telemedicine and no form. And you had already kind of been doing the groundwork. So that was phenomenal. I don't know. It's, it's tough to, to even think about what would I call it? So I had to literally try to find a way to explain to people because I knew that everyone would think I'm whole health or I'm Dr. Nicholas or, you know, some, I, I, you know, legally I can't enter the home. So what would I call it? But I said, well, I want to be mobile. So I said, mobile, it, you know, you can get some same day appointments or urgent, but I'm not an urgent care. And I want to tailor the, the care I give to each person individually. So I said, well, let's call it mobile urgent specialized treatment clinic. And then that's where the word must came from. Okay. I try to do, um, find a way to explain who we are and what we're doing without having to pay a lot of money in advertising. Ah, you know, small, really small budget there. Well, your, your van is phenomenal. And you all, she, she really has like an exam table with syrups to, to provide a comfortable experience for the patient. And she's got her own face on the side of the van. So she's riding around town advertising as she's spreading all of these good things that she's doing. So the, the must stands for mobile, urgent, specialty or specialized? Specialized. Specialized treatment. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I, we're going to talk about boundary and balance. And that's something that you talk about with your patients. But real quick, just for a little snippet, because I think this is where the Harriet part comes in. Mm -hmm. Just briefly, because I'm trying to help people find their purpose and, and have the courage to take action to do what their life was meant for. And that's sometimes hard. And, you know, I heard a few things that you said, you know, you care for people. You said we might not get paid, but we want to keep people out of the ER. So I know you care deeply, but the venue that I, I guess the the brick and mortar wasn't necessarily where you ultimately uh, landed, obviously. So just take us through just a little bit of your journey and how you took that leap of faith to go from, you know, a big medical facility, brick and mortar, to this whole new concept of the Musk Clinic, this mobile clinic? So prior to the pandemic, I, I, you know, it weighed on my mind. I really wanted to reach people and I didn't know how to. And I remember as in, in high school, just learning that talking to people is a great way to figure out what the community would need. And I learned this kind of was right. great for right. in school as well. So what I would do, as a person with an idea, I thought this is, this idea is crazy. You know, you, you kind of do have the self-doubt. That's in right. We'll doubt ourselves. But I kept a little survey. I printed 200 surveys and I kept it in my purse. When I went to Target, I would say to the cashier, hey, can you just fill out the survey? I just want to know if you'd be interested in something I have to offer. Wow. I kept hearing people say, wait, you would come to my job? Can I, you have it now? Like they were, they wanted to do it now. Then the next part of it was after doing those surveys and asking people, would you even go on a clinic in the parking lot? And uh, overwhelmingly, I heard yes from the barbers, the cars. Every time I went somewhere, if I went to the car dealership to get my car service, asking them. And they'd all say, can you come tomorrow? <laughs> and then I realized that there is an interest. There's, just, a need. there's a need. There is a need. And the, kind of, the kinds of people I talked to were people who were insured, but did not get time off Monday to Friday. Right, right. The, the next thing I needed to do, and with working with a, I would say work with someone who can advise you because my passion and my, I think my talent is probably helping people. And, and I did not know business. I don't even know how to use Excel. I will say that out loud. <laughs> wait, wait. Hard word. <laughs> Did you know how to use Word, though? Did you know how to use I Word? I could use Word. Okay, all right. Yes, I'll use Word and PowerPoint. You know, we just, we didn't use Excel that much because I didn't do much research. I'm not an Excel master. Right. And in having conversations with people who, they have the ability to help you structure a worksheet and structure what would it cost to start 
But I keep saying to people, waiting for the right, the right time and the right amount of money, you'll never get there. You literally have to just mm. walk on, just step out on faith. Because mm. when I got this sprinter, it just so happened that because of the pandemic, they had a surplus and I didn't have to pay anything for three months. The company I wanted to do the conversion were so backed up making COVID labs that they couldn't really fit me in until a year later. So I was able to get a tip to try the companies that make the ramps that you put in the minivans for wheelchairs. And that company okay. who ultimately local, um, Ilderton Dodge in High Point, they really said, hey, we haven't done many of these because they make the sheriff's vehicles and they make the wheelchairs. Ah. Again. But they hadn't gotten into the clinic world as yet. And they did one prototype for another company and said, we can work with you. So at that point, here it is, I'm taking a leap of faith in my own life. And the people around me are also stepping into new paths because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So I'll mm -hmm. say that if you were to wait for the perfect opportunity to do something, it will be 15 years later. If you wait oh. for enough money, enough time, your kids to get rolled, for you to, you know, Get vested in your poor one. Yeah. All those things. Come all on, Doctor Zoe. Come on. So you're Breaking. when you're stepping in, and, and you're gonna you have the idea. Study yourself to see what is it that I'm going to bring to my idea. Is it suitable for my life? Because if you're not a detail oriented person, don't pick up data entry. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> don't do that. Um, study yourself and know your skill sets. But one of the things that made me jump was. I was partially pushed, but I needed to jump. I felt as though if you build it, they'll... When Noah was charged with building the ark, there was no rain. No rain. No rain. No rain. So if right. you wait for right. rain to then build the ark, it's too late. It's you, too late. You have to really step out at a time when you can capitalize on being innovative. The idea, I, I initially thought maybe a Winnebago, maybe I could design something similar to what already existed. But I couldn't afford that. And also, many of the mobile clinics that you see are owned by a health system. So initially, talking to insurance companies and talking to health and human services, they're, they're saying, what? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> the fact that I was calling, I wasn't a credentialing officer, I wasn't HR, I was calling as like, hi, I'm, I'm Dr. Zoe Stalins and I want to start my clinic. And I would tell people, I rattle off what I'm trying to do. And they said, let me call you back. I need to find out if you can't even do this. So I, I, I initially had to learn what it would take to start any business, learn what my business would need, and learn what's existing in the market. And there was no independent small business like this in the market. Right, right. So that was, so study yourself, study what's in your market, do some market research, find a business advisor, because if your talent is not business, you can really waste a lot of resources putting in steps that you don't need at that point. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, I love how it's almost like you carry this dream with you. Like you had surveys in your purse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like a 24 7 thing. It was, it was <laughs> your baby. So I love that. So it's, this is going to be a little unconventional because I'm sure people listening are like, where do I find Dr. Zoe? Before we get into the, the uh, boundaries and balance uh, conversation, how can they reach you and are you taking new patients? So I'm currently taking new patients and our platforms that we use, we use LinkedIn, Instagram, we're on Twitter and of course, Facebook. So it's all consistent at Must Clinic, M-U-S-T-C-L-I-N-C. The best way is to go to our website at mustclinic.health, not .com or .org, .health. There you can fill out your questionnaire where you can answer questions as to where you live, your in general information about your insurance. We accept almost all payers except the military insurance. We're not taking Medicaid, but we do take Medicare. Our goal is to make sure we're matching with the right patients. So our first call at the first call and you get an orientation into who we are and what we do because it might not be some people may not want to be on a clinic in that setting some people like to have their labs drawn and everything done in one space we economize mm -hmm. on space so we don't always bring all the equipment with us and we partner with local you know imaging facilities we lo 
local labs. You're using everybody in the best way possible to serve your needs. But you do get an orientation. So that first phone call will be a lengthy one to tell you about what we do, who we are, we serve, oh, I love and it. how you can find us. Yeah, I love it. Well, listeners, we will put all of her contact information uh, in the show notes so that you can uh, reach her after this. And you are currently only in Guilford County in North Carolina, correct? I'm in Forsyth County as well. And I, because I do go out to Winston-Salem, and I also see patients right on the edge of, because I go to Burlington sometimes, so right on the cusp. Oh, wow. Those counties. But I do have a few. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big area we serve. And, and patients, we occasionally go to Reesville. Patients will often say, well, how will you see me if you're in Greensboro? And I said, well, it depends. We are looking at a grid and we look at the, the triad as a grid. And, you know, some days if there's something urgent, a car accident, and you need to be seen. You may have to meet us somewhere safely, of course. Mm-hmm. We meet people in between and it, it works. We have our, I think our patient was coming from Charlotte. It's probably traveling the furthest, but we have people who also come in from Raleigh and Durham to continue their care with me. Wow. Wow. You are literally meeting them where they are. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. And I often joke, you know, as a physician, our hours are crazy. So sometimes we don't even have time to go to the doctor. We're overdoing our pap smears and mammograms. So I, I, I can't I can't speak enough about what I think the service that you're providing and how you're you're so innovative and contributing to the field of medicine. Cause I, I think we will see more mobile clinics run by physicians. And you're a solo provider. You're not with a big organization. And so I'm just so proud of you. That it, it you. takes a lot of courage Thank to you. do that. I know you care passionately. I know we've had great conversations about about what you see for your patients and how you how you educate them. And I know that you're on a personal journey too to also get health and, and healthy and well. Your Instagram is amazing. You oh, guys, you, you gotta go to her Instagram. Like, I was sharing some stuff from your Instagram. Oh, thank you. So thank you. so tell us because I always ask, you know, I like people when they come on to the podcast to talk about something they enjoy talking about or something they're passionate about. And you said you wanted to talk about, you know, boundaries and balance. So, yes. so tell us, tell us what are the, what are boundaries and what is balance and how does that impact our health? I, was, I, I will say boundaries is something that I was very terrible at because in my childhood, as a child, it's almost like, you're not expected to have any boundaries. You know, parents kind of dictate what you do and they mean well, but we don't encourage and embrace boundaries. And then also as a Jamaican, where we live in a really, really small community, everybody's in your business. Um, <laughs> boundaries are not existent. So I'm learning more every day. I still haven't mastered it. But what I understand boundaries to be like for me, I think of it as, imagine if a farmer has a lot of land. He has three acres. And there's a sign up that says, do not enter. I will shoot you on site, but you don't know where the fence. So you don't know where it begins or where it ends. And that's what happens. We sometimes get into emotional turmoil because people violate our boundaries, but we didn't even name them. Nobody knew these were boundaries. Right. You might have a mother-in-law who decides to visit you unexpectedly and didn't call first. And that's violating your boundaries. But how would she know? Right. She knows. You come to her house unexpected. So therefore, that's not a boundary. Done for her. Yeah. I'm standing around in a, one of those Hobby Lobby type stores and see a book about boundaries. And I, the first chapter taught me so much. It's actually called Boundaries. It talks about how sometimes Christianity makes you terrible at boundaries because you feel as though as a good Christian, I should always be available to help people all the time. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, mm-hmm. as a physician, how dare I, you know, say, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Even if I'm home with the kids and somebody, a family member who wants to go over what their doctor told them, I run it by me and I might not want to do it, but I'm going to do it. So what I've learned in the process of reading about boundaries is first, I need to know what my boundaries are. What are the things that are important to me that I want to be respected? So it starts with identifying the things you want someone else to respect about you and your life. Mm. You identify those, you explain to the people you care about, your people at work, you explain why these things are important and why you don't want to see these things violated. For instance, if you're at work and you don't like to 
eat out of a communal space because you don't want to eat out of the potluck pots. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to eat out of the potluck pot and you don't want to be pressured into it. A lot of people will just skip the potluck day. They'll call in sick because to them, I don't want to be pressured. I don't want to eat from a person's house. That violates my boundaries. I don't right. want to have trust issues. Right. But being able to say to your manager, you know what? I really appreciate that we're having this bonding exercise, but if it's okay, I'm just going to bring my own lunch, but I want to be there for the activities and the camaraderie. I just don't. I have a lot of food allergies and I don't want to eat out of the communal pot. Mm-hmm. By finding your boundaries, it gives people an idea that it's not really even about them. It's about you and what you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Journey. And I was inspired by my older brother who has a lot of boundaries. And it's- <laughs> <laughs> we always, I think of his boundaries as like playing mind sweep. Like it's the Oh my play. God. He has so many boundaries and, uh, and he would always struggle with getting our, as a family, for us to respect those boundaries because we would minimize his boundaries. So mm-hmm. myself, I reflect and think, you know, we used to laugh at him because he didn't like people touching or, you know, like he had yeah. about a lot of different things. And we just thought he was just that nitpicky person. But as I read more about boundaries and I had voice to name my own, I realized you have to consistently identify your boundaries and people will respect them once you educate them about what those boundaries are. Right. For you to force your boundaries onto others, you just keep re-emphasizing and be consistent. And we struggle with that. Mothers, and I would say mothers struggle with it. Teachers, all these service in the healthcare. I mean, you name it. We don't know where to draw the line. And that's important to learn. So, Dr. Zell, how does that show up when our, when our boundaries are violated? How does that show up in our health? I have so, I, I will say there, during the pandemic, especially when people were forced to change how they worked and they would receive instructions and every day something was changing, boundaries showed up as anxiety. Mm. Boundaries sometimes show up as high blood mm. pressure, irritable bowel syndrome. Now you have this nauseous feeling, you feel like you're going to throw up or you feel like you might have diarrhea. What happens is when we have boundaries that are violated, especially when they're violated by superiors in the workplace, for example, you may not want to speak up about it because you think you might jeopardize your job. So what happens is you feel this unrest and that unrest mm-hmm. can manifest in your body as high blood pressure, stress response, including panic attacks and, and something yeah. else they I'm fine over the weekend, but the moment Sunday evening comes, I just start feeling sick. I have a migraine. And I, 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 I drill down. As a primary care doctor, I'm also, I wear many hats. Mm-hmm. I'm a little mm-hmm. psychologist too. But when I drill down into, hmm, so Sunday night you start getting sick? How do you feel on Friday? I'm fine on Friday. Mm-hmm. And so what is the dynamic like at work? Well, the first thing we do Monday, we have a meeting and everybody wants to talk about their weekend. And I don't like to talk about my personal business. So I'm ready. Uh, we're faced with. That's the boundary. Mm-hmm. The boundary is Monday morning. You violated my boundaries. <laughs> you just started the week off with mm-hmm. violation. Mm-hmm. Way to express that to a supervisor would be, you know, when I'm in meetings, I really like to jump right into the, the, the things you want me to address. It's very important that you give me feedback on how I worked last week. Sometimes when we talk about these personal things that I may not want to share at work, it takes me away from focusing on the task at hand, if it's possible, could we start the meeting with the work activities and just jump into the feedback, the plan, the project, and afterwards we can have a breakout session and those who want to stay can stay. Suggesting that whether it's written in an email or put it in the suggestion box or voicing it out loud, gives you an opportunity to jump into the work part that you want to do, but you can leave for the chit-chatting part that you don't want to do. And I noticed that some people with the teams and they worked you know, they would feel as though I have to always jump on a call and Zoom because I did my work and I was done for the day, but somebody else didn't. So now we're stuck in this Zoom one-hour call. So I saw more and more anxiety play out from people not voicing their boundaries. Right. So, so two things that you, you just said, and you gave us a script. This is what you can say. This is how you can do it. I think we often tell patients, okay, this is what you need to do, but they don't know how. So thank you for that. The second thing that you said is, or that I'm getting from your your conversation is, 
the root cause is not what we're seeing. Yes, you have high blood pressure. Yes, you're anxious, but, you know, there's something underneath all of that. And so, you know, I'm interested in lifestyle medicine and looking at, you know, us as from a holistic perspective and looking at all of us helps us figure out, okay, if I do some boundary uh, work, then I maybe could come off my high blood pressure medicine. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Very like very simple, not simple. Nothing uh, is ever that easy all the time, but, but something that is, I'm sure, overlooked quite a bit. What about balance and, and how, how does that balance and boundaries? Those are somewhat similar, but they're not the same. Tell us more about balance. So I think of balance itself is so hard to maintain. It's even hard to start to develop a plan of how to maintain a balanced life. We are in a society that applauds overachievers, mm. constantly applauds overachievers. I would say that when I compare myself to some of my peers, and they would reflect on what they did during the summer vacations. I just sat in a mango tree most of the time. <laughs> when I was in the room, it was like 10, from 8 until about 10, my summers were lazy summers. And then from about 11 until 14, continued lazy. Every once in a while, I might go to vaca- vocational Bible school, but I really had nothing to do most of the summers. I would read books. I would explore. I'd hang out with my friends and go see my cousins. That kind of aimless wandering was great because what it created for me was some balance. I learned social skills during the summer, but in a Jamaican elementary school, you're taking a lot of classes and the teachers are are on you constantly. So the academic year is very busy. You're learning a lot. They're preparing you for an exam that you have to take to go to high school that determines the rest of your life. So by the time you're in fifth grade, mm. you know which pathway you're going to take. When I moved to the U.S., I noticed that the summers were not that relaxing. Kids were doing tryouts for sports. And they were doing band camp, cheerleading camp. And some people were taking summer classes and other people did enrichment programs. It was like the summer became an internship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you were going to go to college, you need to have a busy summer. Get to college, people have to do all these things. So I noticed in teaching and, and working, because I think of what, a lot of what I do is teaching. My college age students are coming in saying, I think I have attention deficit disorder. I ask them, well, okay, tell me about your day. Well, I wake up at 545 because I'm a sorority and we volunteer at the, you know, at the breakfast program at the school. And then I go to my chemistry class and I go to biology, I go to Spanish. And I have my job and I come back and I practice because I, I was, wait a minute, you don't have attention deficit. You're, you're, over, you're overscheduled. You're overscheduled. You're overscheduled. There's no way your brain can keep attention that long. So in some situations, I've talked to people about the fact that if you have three jobs, when do you rest? When do you have your body's urges? When do you answer those? If you're working long jobs and taking overtime, how do you communicate with your spouse? When do you have time to be intimate? So my idea of balance is when you are able to give something to the different aspects of who you are. Because if you give it all at work, you don't have much at home. And the fact is, when we do our surveys about anxiety and depression, we usually ask them a question. How difficult has this made things for you at home or at work or with relationships? Ah, yeah, yeah. answers are usually not at all difficult. Somewhat difficult, extremely difficult, very difficult. And what we're saying is the, the lack of balance creates difficulty in your relationships. Right. So what does balance look like? I know that as a busy mother, physician, um, community member, I think mm-hmm. of it as you can only put out some of the fires. I can't put them all out. <laughs> right. Open smoke. And I have to give myself grace because I can't do it all. So the things that I can do, I give it my attention and then I'm, okay, well, we'll try again tomorrow. But I need to go home and unplug because when I get home, my children don't understand that I need to chart and I might get audited and I need to talk to my senior. Right. They just know that their mother needs to come help with this homework. Mm-hmm. Like a Christmas present mm-hmm. for spirit week. They don't really <laughs> understand and they shouldn't. They should feel as though when I'm with them, I'm with them. Right, right. So that balance comes from how do I make all these things happen? How do I keep that equilibrium? If I need to give to my work, 
family and I need to give to my, my home family and I need to give to my church family. Well, your home family may have to go with you to the gym then. Your quality time might need to be in the gym if you're trying to. So my children work out with me because that'll still happen. Spend in time. They cook with me because now we're spending time. You, I'm still cooking and you're getting the salt out of the pantry. Go and get me the seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> right? I just figure if I have to use that time to multitask, they're a part of the multitasking. Mm-hmm. Because that's if I'm folding clothes, you fold the towels, I'll fold the rest. So I incorporate them into those activities. So I'm still spending time. And then once a week, we have a lazy day. We do a pajama day. We just pick movies and we're lazy. And I try to uh, unplug that way. Three children do you have, Dr. Zell? I have three. And I have a, I'm going to see if I can show you this little picture of them. He's there. They're now, but they, they are with a little uh-huh. Yeah. But now they are. Um, yeah. Oldest boy is 10, he'll be 11 next, the 30th. So not next week, but the week after. And then the um, middle girl, she's seven, and then the baby is five. And what's interesting is they've only seen me, you know, they, they know that I'm a physician, but they, for a long time, they thought that when I went to work, I was cooking and cleaning at work because that's what they thought taking care of people meant. <laughs> and every time they came to my job, I was washing out Tupperware. So they really thought that I was the <laughs> clinic cook. And then now that I've started this practice, they are, you know, it's interesting because they understand ideas of marketing and promotion and they'll say to me mommy i want to be an entrepreneur like you when i grow up yes yes mommy's an entrepreneur she's an entrepreneur entrepreneur and you know they they understand the dynamic of you know let me give me the time to do the work that i need to do so i can take care of you all so they if they see me on the phone like if they walked in right now they would have said she's on she's on a call she's a virtual call with a patient (laughs) Yeah, they understand those dynamics because uh, when I started my business, they would put flyers in people's mailboxes. So they've been involved from the inception. Uh, So again, there's a how, getting our kids involved. And they're learning how to cook. They're learning how to fold laundry. Things that they need to know because they're going to leave with that. You know, you said your youngest is five. Yes. And so you started working on this, what, three years ago? Yes. Yeah. So you had a two-year-old. I had a two-year-old and I had, I was going through and went through a divorce. And I will tell people that, you know, some people when they go through a divorce, they eat ice cream and they they cry. I listen to T.D. Jakes and uh, Seven Hundred of My Life People. People, Stephen Covey. Yeah. Yes. A very impactful book. And also I listen to Nelson Mandela's. I listen to it on an audio book because Nelson Mandela's story is one that will inspire anyone. Right. One of the things that Nelson right. Mandela made me, you know, think about was understanding who the enemy is. Sometimes we are so focused on being e- getting even when you're in when a relationship ends, and and I realized he's not my enemy. His success is the success for my children. So right, right. So we never dragged out our divorce into like a malicious place. In fact, people didn't even know we were divorced. They, you know, some people would say, "You two are happier than." Me, who's married. It took a lot of prayer and it took a lot of um, coaching from just listening to the word that allowed me to use. And I also utilized developing this clinic as something positive. I'm one of those people. If I, can't, right. I can't master something. I focus my energy on what I can master. And uh, that's a big part of the time that I would normally put into calling people and gossiping and, you know, bad-mouthing my ex. I didn't, I was right. on conference calls. I was sitting in on, you know, lectures on Zoom about how do you grow your business? So, it's right. yeah. So look, get to work on your purpose, everybody listening. And you don't have time to get involved in that. You don't, because I, if you get into a negative space, you will see and draw negativity. To negativity. You. Yep. Yep. When I'm good into that. Stuff building and growing and developing, I listened to TED Talks and I remember, you know, Shonda Rhimes, who writes for, you know, Grey's Anatomy. Talked yeah. about the year, the year of the year, yes. Yes. I love it. And I just started saying yes to random opportunities that came my way. But because I was already 
relying on God to put the right opportunities. My prayer was for discernment and for God to put the right people in my path. Hence why I met you, right? Uh-huh, exactly, exactly. Prayed for the right people in my path and I prayed for discernment. So I would identify what steps I needed to take. And with that prayer, really and truthfully, the right people came my way. It's been mm. a blessing. So and I know that, you know, your lifestyle is different or your beginnings were different than here in America. Like you all are a lot more laid back sometimes than we, but you know, with three small children going through a divorce, did you have to cultivate this environment of balance or you already had it and you just executed? Because I'm trying to think if, if anybody told me what you just told me, Right, right. They have any, I mean, it's like, okay, this is not the time necessarily to be starting a business. Right, right. Yet and still you went forward. So tell tell me how you did that. I will have to say that I will call her my hidden blessing, but also my very, very visible blessing. If you're ever on my Instagram and you look and you see a lady there demonstrating exercises, that's my mom. I I will say, yeah, she has been truthfully a rock for me. My parents moved from Chicago because the winters were horrible and they came down to North Carolina. In the process, what that meant was my mother was on hand. And so my mother's my third grade teacher as well. Mm-hmm. If you have a Jamaican third grade teacher in your household, I'm telling you, them, those kids, <laughs> they didn't know, they didn't understand. She, she ran, I would say she ran the home in such a way that if I was exhausted, I didn't feel it. I didn't even know I was exhausted because the energy that she would bring was one of positivity. When I told her I was going to leave my job and do my business, she said, you mad? I didn't like you mad. Where, where would the money come from? How are you going to pay your bills? You're crazy. And <laughs> I told her, I said, if you believe in me, just pray for me. All right. Yeah. Don't add, you know, don't add doubt. Just add prayer. Yeah. And I just ask you for your prayers. Yeah. And that's, I kept saying that to my family. Because, you know, as a Jamaican, we're supposed to have three jobs. Uh-huh. And I'm going down <laughs> to one job. And that job is not even secure. Right. The Jamaican mother was getting anxious. Uh, <laughs> but I told her, I said, if you believe in me and understand that you raised me. And I, and I have this insight, this inkling inside that tells me it's going to be a Yeah. Pray for me yeah. and pray for me. And so what that created was, instead of vocalizing their doubts, my father would send me a psalm to read. My mother would pray audibly so I could hear her. And, you know, my family, you know, my brother was such a believer. I will tell you that when you have family who think, you, you know, even if they thought I was crazy buying closed doors, they really thought, well, let's just see how it goes. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's interesting is I used up all of my family. Like my, my brother was, a, was an actor in my commercial. My mother was the secret patient. Like... <laughs> Um, my brother literally had to come and move equipment and also pretend to be patients in pictures. And when I did flyers, he's, you know, and he, he didn't even realize it yes. circulated that much. Yeah. Other brother in Texas, he was my, my angel investor. Whenever I couldn't make payroll and he would say, listen, all right, how much you need? Because I, I would, I really put so much of my resources into the business because I was not, I did not want a loan from the bank. I didn't want to go to a big health system to be bought out. I wanted this to stay organic and grassroots. And right. I wake right. up practice medicine how I chose. So I needed funding and I went local. I went small for that. So family funded and just supported as well by family. And if you don't have those family members, let's say that you're from a family that might be a little bit more, you know, dysfunctional and chaotic and you can't get that, build it. You know, you could build it through networking. Right. There, please, I can name six people that I work with now very closely and are my friends that I've never met in real life. Just from being on Zoom meetings, Clubhouse, and then working, mm-hmm. you know, being in the rooms and talking to people, even on Instagram. And these are people who not just promote me because they believe in what I'm doing, but they also share ideas and I've never met them in real life. So I, I would say wow. that wow. build your village if you weren't born into that village that you you can build it right that's that was my next question because i know somebody's listening like my brother doesn't have the right. dollar to give me right and so yeah so thank you for that i i think you know and i'm a believer and 
I don't know how I could have stepped out not knowing that God was behind or, or he was ordering my steps. Right. It, it, it makes a huge, a huge difference. And I think that, you know, he wants more for us. You know, he right. really, he just wants more for that overscheduled anxiety, panic attacks. That's not his best. Exactly. And it's funny. You say what your mom said, are you mad? You know, <laughs> I talk about when I went back to work after, you know, pseudo retiring and I went back to what I was doing and I was like, you were crazy. Like, right. Right. what the heck were you doing? Like right. you had no time and definitely not, not very balanced. So I, I just, I, I think that the balance, the boundaries are very important, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur. And, and for some of us, living our purpose is going to be, we're going to have to create, create something new, as you have just said. What do you want to leave us with? One, you know, one little nugget. You got a whole nugget. bunch. I know. I was like, oh, I, and I'm long-winded. Okay. I think that one of the things I want to empower people to understand is it's important to, to see the steps that someone takes in their journey. We see the finished product all the time. We see Jennifer Hudson singing and winning Oscars. Right. But did you see her when she was on America? I think in, in, when we see people with the finished product, they never, you don't want to pay people for the rite of passage, meaning the respect that they might need or giving them the compliment. It's okay to reach out to someone and say, I like what you're doing. How did you do it? Do you have time for just a quick call, especially if you're in college and you're trying to figure out what's next. And for college aid students, this is a stressful time. The world is, there's a lot of unknowns. Will I have a job? Like, how will I do things? If regular people are leaving their jobs, how do I need to know where to go? So it's important to be okay. And especially I think when I was, I'm speaking to the black community, it's okay to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there and network and talk about real things. Mm -hmm. asking someone who is doing something that you like to do, asking them for an opportunity. Let me volunteer. Let me learn from you. Can I, how can I be, can I be your virtual assistant? These are things that you can do to A, put you in the right environment. B, help you learn from people who are really doing it. But what you don't want to do is sit back and say, nobody ever taught me. You don't want to sit back and say, well, I, I can get a scholarship to get into this program. You really want to step out on faith, but also utilize what's mm -hmm. in your community. And so if that means that you want to go into uh, music, you want to be a music producer, there's a mega church in Greensboro that is cutting albums. But it's not rap albums, it's the gospel. But they, if you look at the, the switchboard that they use, it's the same that you'd find in Puppet Studio. They're mixing sounds yeah. for the choir when the choir sings. Yeah. When the comes on, they turn down that microphone. Yeah. Start there because the fact is by you serving in church, you're learning technical skills. A lot of big churches now are recording and broadcasting live mm -hmm. and the church can benefit from your free labor, but you are learning. And within right. that church, the parishioners have businesses. You can right. that way, but you can't sit back and wait for Puffy to answer your DM. <laughs> He's not going to do it. Okay. Puffy, okay. where are you at? Puffy. 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 Right? That's all my, you are. <laughs> so my advice is start where you are. Start. Resources in your own community. If you want to be a, a, a psychotherapist and, you know, you're just not sure what to do and you, your, your mom is sick and you can't really leave home, there are online rooms where people have spaces. People are on TikTok getting therapy. Okay? So right. right. If you say, I want to lose weight, but I can't afford a personal trainer, YouTube has a hundred video yeah. certified personal trainers yeah. they're, they're showcasing what you're doing for free so mm -hmm. i keep saying stop saying i can't do and i can't find just look around where you are and use all those resources first start with the free things you can get start with the things you can give for free until you get to where you are right right no two point. things i'll say my accountability partner yolanda Grish. she says inspiration follows movement so just getting started yes. makes a huge difference. And the other thing I've also learned on this journey is that where God guides, he will provide. So once you get moving, 
yeah. doors open that will lead you to the next step, that will lead you to the next step. And, you know, as those things open up, just remember to create your boundaries and to stay balanced. Yes. Um, because as soon as you get started, there are going to be obstacles in your way that want to derail you. Yeah. Um, so I, I thank you so, so much. This has been wonderful. We're we going to be uh, BFFs offline, you guys. So hopefully <laughs> she'll be coming back. But Dr. Zoe Stalling, medical director, owner, operator, Mother <laughs> Clinic, a veterinarian. I, uh, I thank you. I thank you so much. And for those listeners, please share this with someone, especially if you're in the area, the Greensboro High Point Triad, Winston-Salem, Burlington area, because I know you all need the care that she is providing in the way that she is doing it. She's telling you the truth and she wants the best for you. So you all please reach out to her. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Dr. Zoe. Listeners, I'll see you on another episode of Office Visits with Dr. V. Thank you for listening to Office Visits with Dr. V. My prayer is that something said on this podcast will get you started on a path to your optimal health and wellness. The information, including opinions and recommendations discussed in this podcast, is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to be a substitute for the advice of a qualified and licensed physician or other healthcare provider. Although I'm a doctor, this does not replace the advice of your licensed physician or healthcare provider. So please, seek the advice of a qualified healthcare professional before making any changes to your healthcare regimen. And another thing, just by listening to this podcast doesn't make me your doctor. However, if you want to stay connected, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V. And go to my website at OfficeVisitsWithDrV.com. That's OfficeVisitsWithDrV.com. Let's follow up next time. Blessings.